Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Can we give it up for the Elevate Worship Team real quick? They are phenomenal. They work really hard. First and foremost, <laughs> every youth Sunday college says, it's lit to everything. First and foremost, I want to give honor to our pastors. I don't even know where they went, but Pastor John and Pastor Kai, can we give it up for them? Over this past year in ministry, I'm starting to realize how important it is for your senior pastors, the heads over you, to be supportive of the ministry that you're over. Because I've come across ministries where the youth group isn't being poured into because it's not seen as a need for the community. When realistically, rather than looking at our youth as the generation of tomorrow, they're the generation right now. So I thank God for my mom and dad having my parents to be able to serve with. Secondly, I would like to thank all of the Elevate crew leaders, all of our volunteers, because without them, all this wouldn't be done. Isabella, you did a great job on the human video. Isaiah, Jackie, Alex, I couldn't do it without you guys. And lastly, but not least, my beautiful wife, Erica. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here. And I mean that literally. She could just as easily. She, she shares her time with me as well, too. It, 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 it can be a, a tough balance trying to balance a marriage, a newborn baby, ministry, starting your own business, helping people out, all kinds of stuff. But my wife not only does, not only is she, she just there, but she supports me in everything. And as a matter of fact, we do things together. We serve together, we work together, we're able to do things together and sharpen our marriage and grow our marriage, and we communicate. So that's just a plug for all you married couples out there. Communication is key. So I'm starting to realize I'm 25 years old, turned 25 last month. 25, I'm not that old. (laughs) And so I'm realizing that I'm a very blessed man. I have a roof over my head, I have a healthy family, healthy baby, healthy wife, uh, I have vehicles so I can get around and go to work, help people out. I got friends and family that support me. I have friends and family that have my back. But I have dreams too. I do have dreams. Anybody have a dream car? I got a dream car. You want to hear it? I, got, I want a 1968. He's born in 68. A 19, not a Mustang. No, 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 no. I want a 1968 Dodge Charger. Murdered out. Black paint, black rims, black interior, black seats, black carpet. I even want the black ice, like, all black, top to bottom. Even, even the turn signals are black, everything. But, unfortunately, I don't have a 1968 Dodge Charger. charger. The, the Charger that I treat in my mind is a 2005 Toyota Corolla. And I'm six foot... One, six foot two, about 290, and a Toyota Corolla, Lord Jesus. But it's my car. It's paid for. It works well. It gets me from best car I ever had. But here's the catch when I, uh, I got blessed with the car. 
it's a stick shift. Not many people drive a stick shift nowadays. And so about four years ago, I was in need of a car. I didn't have a car at the time. I think the last car that I had, either the transmission went out or something like that. So one of my older cousins is like my grandparents' age, so like, you know, I respect him like an uncle. He calls me and says, hey, I heard you're in need of a car. I just bought my wife a new car, and I wanted to be able to give this car to you because I know you need it. I said, well, thanks. But here's the catch. It's a stick shift. I was like, nah, man, find somebody else. I hung up. I got the car now. Relax, relax. I have it now. But in that moment, I was like, man, I'm not trying to learn this. I can't drive a stick shift. What am I going to do with the stick shift? It's, at the time, it was like, it's 2014. What am I going to do with the stick shift? Dude, like a couple days later, my mom calls me and goes, if you don't go and take that car and quit playing. So I was like, all right. So I went. My cousin lives in the country out in Dixon. I was stalling in the middle of the country, like all kinds of stuff, stopping, you know, let too, uh, up too fast in the clutch, like stalling in first gear, all kinds of stuff. But let's get to the point. The question I want to ask you guys is this. When Jesus presents us the truth, will we approach it as an obstacle or as an opportunity to know him? Will we approach it as an obstacle or as an opportunity to know him? Because for me, initially, I saw my 2005 Toyota Corolla as an obstacle because I can't drive a stick shift. But through the help of the person that owned it, I was able to learn and I was able to conquer what I needed to do. So rather than taking it as an obstacle, long story short, I took it as an opportunity. In John chapter 8, we look at a group of people that have come to a conflict. In this particular situation, it's the Pharisees. These are like the elite Jewish people at the time. They were trained in law. They were like the top of the crop. If you ask them about where this Bible verse was, they knew exactly where it was at. Their whole lives have been based on following a set of principles, laws, commandments, and ideas to make them, for lack of better words, good. To make them righteous. To make themselves realistically feel, feel better. But here comes Jesus in verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Easy enough. There were a lot of Jewish people in the New Testament that believed Jesus because they knew that if you were connected to a good teacher, then you were in. That's the in crowd to be in. Are you a good teacher? I can rock with you. You're cool. Oh, bro, how many Warriors games you go to? I'll rock with you. Bring the extra tickets. That's how it was. But here comes the conflict. This is what Jesus says to them. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And here's how these dumb dumbs answered. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. Never is a big word for them to use. To say that they never been in bondage? Never? Never, bro? If you, if you just read the book of Exodus, anybody that's seen the prince of Egypt knows the people of God were in bondage. For a long time. And after that, they were in bondage again and bondage again and bondage again and bondage again. So for them to say never, that's outlandish. They said we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Now I can go to anybody in this room and ask you, what does truth mean to you? What does freedom mean to you? You don't need to Google it. You don't need to whip out a dictionary. You don't need to go around asking because everybody has their own truth. Am I right? And so 
Truth and freedom is something that we can all define. For me, personally, my truth is that the 49ers will always be better than the Raiders. That's my truth. Taylor, I love you, but the 49ers will always be better than the Raiders. Can the church say amen? For me personally, with this new addition in uh, L.A., my truth is the Warriors are going to beat the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. That's my truth. Maybe I share it with some of you. I'm on Taylor's nerves today. Who, who does the ketogenic diet? Anybody do keto? Nobody? It's all good. Ketogenic diet is this. The whole principle is this. Low carbs, high fat, put your body in ketosis, gets rid of all the fat. Thought about doing it because I work out from time to time, a little less than I used to, but that's not the point. <laughs> ketosis, it, it is a very popular diet right now. Now, I looked into it. I got family members that do it, but my truth is this. Ketosis is very good in the short term. It is good to burn fat. If you want to lose weight quick, do the keto diet, but for somebody like me that has a heart condition, it's not good for me in the long term. Because too much fat messes with my heart. Now, we can argue and debate about it after service, but I hold that as my truth. So, 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 we did an exercise on Thursday, right? I usually give, like, before you Sunday, I give, like, a little snippet of the message to kind of gauge the audience. And so what I did was I wrote a T on one side of this note card and an F on the other side. I did about, like, 25 or 30 of them, like, everybody won. We were just playing a game. We were playing truth or false, and I came up with all these fun facts. I'm like... Is the Twitter bird's name Larry? And they're just like, Twitter bird doesn't have a name, false. I'm like, true, the Twitter bird's name is Larry. His name is Larry Bird, named after the legend, Larry Bird. And like all kinds of fun facts like that. And so we had a couple games. We, we played for free snacks and stuff like that. But then, like any good youth pastor, youth director, I turned it on him. If you've ever done youth ministry and you've said something serious, all of the youth break eye contact when you say something serious. Like, they, they do this. They do one of these, like, mm, he's not talking to me. He's not talking to me. So I started asking questions, like, okay, let me gauge it. I'm like, truth or false, Kobe Bryant is better than LeBron James. Of course, you got a whole bunch of opinions. Everybody had truths. And I was like, true or false, the Niners are better than the Raiders. True or false. People threw it out. Then I asked some hard questions. This is when I, the eye contact broke. I was like, true or false? Same-sex marriage is okay. That's where it creates conflict. And the same look that you guys have in your faces now <laughs> is the same look that your kids had. Because there was a conflict within them. There was this situation where I'm with my peers in church. Is it okay to say true? Is it okay to say false? My, my, my cousin is gay. It, I love him. Is it okay or is it not? I don't want to be the one to send my cousin to hell. I mean, what do I say? And so, what exactly? What we need to realize is we all have truths. We all have truths. We all have truths. But guess what? Somebody has to be wrong. Somebody's got to be wrong. Somebody has to be wrong. So who's right? Who's right in this situation? Who? Who? If, if, if us, we have a monotheistic religion, we believe that there is one God, right? Amen? Are you Christians? Right? 
There are other monotheistic religions out there. What separates the Building Christian Fellowship from the Islamic Center by Marybird? What separates us from the polytheistic religions, the, the religions that believe that there's multiple gods, the religions that believe uh, uh, in the sun and the moon and the stars and the sand and fertility and all this other stuff? What separates us from them? The major difference between us and them is that we have a Savior. We have Jesus Christ. And the major difference is that we cannot earn our righteousness. You guys listening, we cannot earn our righteousness. We are given grace through love, and we receive that grace through faith. Amen? We have Jesus Christ on our side. When Jesus presents to them what real truth is, they're talking about the Pharisees now, when Jesus presents to them what real truth is and freedom, their very identity is challenged. When he presents real truth and freedom, their very identity is challenged. I, I don't know how many people have heard this comedian before, but once I say it, you might get it. You know, the Jewish believers found their identity in being sons of Abraham because of their lineage and not by their faith. So they believe that just because they had the bloodline, just because that their father was Abraham and they knew all the lineage and everything like that, they thought they can use that as like a trump card, like, we're sons of Abraham. We've never been in bondage. <laughs> well, realistically, Jesus was a son of Abraham as well by lineage. I, I like how Jesus responded. If you go back, to, go back to the passage, he could have roasted them in that situation. Oh, you're, you're a son of Abraham, huh? You're a son of Abraham? So am I. So, so what are you trying to say? What are, you, what are you trying to say? I'm a son of Abraham too. We're pulling trump cards. But tell me if you guys get this reference. A Chrysler 300 looks like a Chrysler 300 until a Rolls Royce pulls up. I see what kind of Christians you are. Y'all be watching. Cat Williams. But realistically, we hear that joke and we think, yeah, Chrysler 300 kind of does look like a Rolls Royce Phantom. But it goes deeper than that. You know that? That if you look underneath the hood of a Rolls Royce Phantom, the engine underneath the hood of a Rolls Royce Phantom is much more powerful than it is a Chrysler 300. And Chrysler's are trash, by the way. I used to have one. Transmission was terrible. But I digress. If you look underneath a Rolls Royce hood, the engine is different. The interior is different. The inside of it is different. The quality is different because that is the real deal, genuine brand. Now, we can play ethics and try to figure out, well, did Chrysler try to copy? We can do all that. But what we cannot do is try to make our own copy of what being a Christian means to be. We can't try to fake the funk. We can't try to duplicate what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's almost like, and I totally forgot to ask Donald for his 100-pound dumbbell, so bear with me. Use your imagination. You guys ready? Imagine if there was a 100-pound dumbbell right here on the floor. Now, I don't know how many people have lifted up a 100-pound dumbbell before, but you don't lift it up with just your arms. It requires your whole body to get that thing up. For the guys that go to this spot, you know what I'm talking about. Donald will be throwing all kinds of crazy stuff at us. And so it requires the whole body to be involved in order to pick up that 100-pound dumbbell. Let's imagine that 100-pound dumbbell as being a Christian, as being a follower of Christ. This is what it means to carry the load of being a Christian. What a lot of us do, we do two things. One, we get into this fight or flight mentality. Because when our identity is challenged, our fear is engaged. And when our fear is engaged, we enter fight or flight. I heard this from a, a light-skinned OG. Once upon a time, if you can guess who it is. 
bald-headed, light-skinned Israelite. It's my dad. When fear engages us, we masquerade it as pride. So we do one of two things when it comes to approaching this Christian walk. We try to do it on our own, right? And in the lifting world, we call it pride lifting. You grab the weight, you can't handle it, and you end up hurting yourself in the process trying to prove that you can handle the weight. Or you do the other. You might do something like this. You might go and get you like a 10-pound dumbbell and like write 100 on it and make it seem presentable and make it seem like it's authentic and make it seem like it's the real genuine deal. And you act like, oh, yeah, this 100-pound weight sure is really hard. I thank God I'm not like them. I thank God I'm not struggling like them. I thank God I'm not dealing with temptation like them. But realistically, you're not living the life. But realistically, you're just trying to fool yourself and everybody else around you. Then you have the other person. You have the other person in the fight or flight mentality. The flight mentality is this. Anybody seen the BBC Earth episode? You've seen it on Facebook with the iguana that's on the, on the island and there's like a thousand snakes and the snakes are chasing it? Go on Netflix and watch that episode. I promise you your blood pressure will get high. Like, lie to you not. This iguana was on that beach looking through one eye like this. Them snakes took off, and bruh, I've never seen an iguana run on his hind legs and take off like that. But he had two choices. Either I take on a thousand of these snakes, which are probably venomous, or I get the heck up out of there. And so during this flight stage in our lives, we, we look at it as I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Like, like, like you go up to the 100-pound weight, and you look at the weight, like, bro, I can't do that. Donna, why are we doing this, bro? I cannot lift 100 pounds. And I got a, I got a certain somebody that, that goes to this spot. Somehow, someway, he, he always has to pick up his daughter from dance practice. He always has to leave. No, just teasing. But we look at the situation and we think that we can't handle it. Well, I don't know how many times this particular person that has to take his daughter to dance practice, where well, I've seen him stronger than he's ever been, where he was psyched himself out of the battle, where he picked up the weight and knocked out 10 reps like it was nothing. I'm like, bro, what were you talking about? You just handled that like a G. Same thing like this. The people that look at church as this mountain of an obstacle, this mountain of a thing that they can handle, and they say, you know what? I'm not good enough for church. You know what? And, and it sucks because as a youth director, when you look uh, and, and talk to youth, there are plenty of youth and even adults that are out there that feel like, you know what, man? I still smoke. I still drink. I still cheat on my girlfriend. I do all kinds of nasty dirt. What does God want with me? How can God use me? I'm not good enough to be in church. I've done some terrible stuff. I made some terrible mistakes, and I'm still dealing with those mistakes. But God is not looking for you to come to church perfect. Listen to me. God is not looking for you to come to church perfect. He's looking for you to come to him to be perfected. Listen to me. He's looking for you to come to him to be perfected. You weren't given this life to live it alone. You weren't given this life to do it by yourself. Life is hard. It's difficult. There are things that none of us should be handling on our own, but we have a God that is for us, amen? Yeah. 
We avoid connection because we fear judgment. We avoid truth because it disrupts our comfort. We avoid freedom because all we know is bondage. Getting caught up in the familiar. Sometimes it's not about just, oh, I don't want to come to church because I feel bad. Sometimes there are people out there like, it's not that I want to stop sinning. I like my sin. I love it. It's comfortable. It makes me feel warm. But listen, the temporary cannot last eternity. You are meant to last eternity with Jesus Christ. So these things that you're using to comfort yourself, I've been there. Trying to drink yourself to sleep to make yourself feel better, to forget about your depression, to forget about the anxiety. We live in California in 2018, smoking weed to get your mind off of things. These temporary things cannot fulfill you. And I'm not saying this in condemnation. I'm just exposing things in truth. I'm shining a light in the darkness. You want to know why? Because we all need to be set free by Jesus Christ. It's not about condemnation. Read earlier in the word when, 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 when the Pharisees tried to, tried to bring this woman and try to accuse her and try to trap Jesus. You know what Jesus said when all things were done? When, he, when the accusers were called off because they knew that they sinned too? He says, I don't condemn you either. Now go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. The truth of the matter is this. We're not good enough on our own. We're not. We're not good enough on our own. Some of you guys are looking at me like, so what do you suggest? Y'all, you just got done bashing me for 32 minutes. What are we going to do next? <laughs> We're going to go home with three principles to look at, at Jesus' truth as an opportunity and not an obstacle. We're going to look at Jesus' truth as an opportunity and not an obstacle. Somebody say abide. abide. Louder, come on, abide. abide. The party's not over, abide. abide. One of my favorite preachers said this, C.H. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon. He said, get into Christ's word as a seeking sailor would get into a lifeboat. And once there, keep inside the lifeboat. Do not throw yourself out into the stormy waves through despair, but continue in the place of hope. When Jesus, it says in verse 31, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Now, if you go to the Greek, let me sound real sophisticated real quick. If you read it in that definition, the definition that it was presented in, it means to remain, to abide, to wait for, and to await one. So accepting this walk with Christ is more than just praying the prayer on a Sunday service. It's more than just getting the goosebumps and making yourself feel better. It's more than just coming to a service and worshiping hard and making yourself cry and going right back to things you were doing. Abiding in Christ means to continue in Christ. Not just walking through the door and like, all right, I'm out. That's just not how it works. The Spirit of God isn't just in this place. Christ died so that we can have the comforter with us, the Holy Spirit, so that wherever we go, whatever hell we step in, whatever darkness we walk through, whatever situation that we're in in our lives, that he will be with us and comfort us so we can stay focused on our goal. And our goal is Jesus Christ. Our standard is Jesus Christ. Our ruler is Jesus Christ. He, he's our Lord and Savior. He has put places and things in the plan so that we have a purpose, so that we have something that we need to fulfill our purpose. Our next point is this. Let Christ be your standard. Let Christ be your standard. In Romans chapter 8, verses 31, it reads this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? 
Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded... That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything under, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. <laughs> now, I didn't put that whole passage to get a hand clap. I didn't put that whole passage just to fill some space or to be talking to be talking. I, I showed you that passage because we need to understand the characteristics of Christ. If Christ is going to be our standard, we have to understand how he would operate in our situation. That means, that means not using our standard of living to, 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 to gauge righteousness. Because a lot of times we take this minuscule standard and we measure ourselves by it. And even worse, guess what else we do? We look at other people and we judge them by it. They're not good enough. Oh, no, they're fake. Oh, no, they're not. Oh. Your measure is not big enough. God is our standard. God is our ruler, double entendre. God is somebody that is meant to lead us and somebody that we're meant to uh, 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 gauge life by. He's somebody where uh, he is. <sighs> I got tired from that passage. He is, so, he, he is the standard of our life. Amen? Amen? Nothing separates us from the love of God. And because Christ came, lived, died, and rose back from the dead for us, we've been given a second chance. Yeah. It says nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. No distance. So if you made your bed in hell, read your word. If you made your bed in hell, God is there. He is with you. If you think that you're too far from God, guess what? God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Every mistake that you made, he's forgiven you already of it. And this is my last point, if I can get Atira to come up here and make me sound extra spiritual. <laughs> can we all stand to our feet? This is my last point. It's really simple, but I need you guys to hear this. I need you guys to get this point before we leave. No matter if you're a youth, 13 to 18, or if you're 40 to 60, it doesn't matter. I need you to get this point. Are you guys ready? Ask for help. Ask for help. Men of God, men of God, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to expose yourself. Young lady, it's okay to expose yourself to Jesus. Think about this with a spiritual mind here. Anytime somebody goes in for operation on a major operation, like on a major organ, guess what happens? The doctor doesn't say, okay, we'll just roll up his shirt and then we'll cut around it. No, that doesn't happen. In the operating room, you have to be exposed in order to be healed. You have to be vulnerable to be healed. We cannot compartmentalize our lives from Jesus Christ. We can't just section off this part like, look, 
Jesus, I'll invest this time in, with you, but the other 30% I'm going to keep for myself. All right, I'll be, I'll be a man of God when it comes to governing my children, but I won't be a man of God when it comes to my marriage. Not realizing that the anointing trickles down. So man of God, if you're not handling your business, if you're not accepting Jesus' Jesus's truth as your truth, you're robbed up in your family. Now, if the vision of God is for the Building Christian Fellowship or Elevate Youth, youth Ministry to impact thousands, and I don't get to see it in my time, I thank God that he has a legacy that outlasts me. Because I can go at any moment. I understand that it's bigger than me. I understand that this life is not promised. I could die tomorrow. It's very morbid to say. It's very sad to say, but that's the truth. That's the truth. We have to embrace God's truth. We have to embrace God's truth. This is an opportunity for you to embrace God's truth. It is not an obstacle. God doesn't set something before you and not give you the provision to see it through. It says in God's word that you have a purpose. He's going to give you the provision to see it through. God has abundant life for you. God has eternity for you. But he has given you the truth. He's giving you the freedom to see it through. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.